Hello, Latinos and clinical research community. Thank you for joining us today. We have two special guests today, Noel Kick, Director of Contracts and Client Solutions with Clinistart, and Tamara O, oh, Chief Operating Officer of Clinistart. Let me introduce both of them and then we can hear more about their backgrounds, how they got into the industry and what they do now. Noel has 10 years of extensive experience negotiating contracts and budgets in the clinical research industry. She has worked with the world's largest CROs and pharmaceutical companies. Noel has experience in multiple therapeutic areas such as oncology, rheumatology, endocrinology, and infectious diseases, and is a subject matter expert in the Global Fair Market Value Compliance Program. Noel graduated from North Carolina State University and is proficient in Spanish. Tamara is an attorney with significant global experience leading sponsor and CRO teams in accelerated delivery. She is, seasoned, she is a seasoned industry veteran who utilizes her legal and bioscience management skills to set to expedite the startup process for sites, CROs, and sponsors. Tamara was previously in-house counsel for a large biotech and provided both business and legal guidance for clinical affairs, regulatory purchasing, and strategic alliances. Tamara graduated from Wellesley College and holds an MBA with a spe specialization in bioscience management from North Carolina State University and a JD from the University of North Carolina School of Law. Okay, uh, so let's uh, get started, Noel. I don't know if we, we, it's okay to get started with you. Tell us more about your background, how you got into clinical research. Looks like you started uh, 10 years ago. And what do you currently do and who do you work with? Yeah, sure. So, well, first of all, it's great to meet you all. And um, I guess I'll start where I'm based. Um, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I'm originally from Georgia. I attended college here, actually, in Raleigh, and I never returned back home. So North Carolina became my new home. And um, a little bit about my professional background. My current title is a mouthful, and you just said it. <laughs> Currently the executive director of contracts and client solutions. Um, I've worked in the, this clinical trials industry for, like you said, 10 years now, and I actually started as a contracts administrator at a CRO called PRA. Um, that's actually where I met Tamara. Um, most of my experience has been focused in negotiating investigator clinical trial agreements on behalf of the sponsors and for large and small CROs as well. And um, yeah, you know, you're spending that much time in the industry. I've been lucky enough to, to witness a lot of changes. And yeah, so that's a little bit of my background. And Tamara, did you want to give us a little bit about your background too? Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Again, it's nice to see all of you and meet everyone. And as Noel mentioned, she and I both started in the Sierra world about the same time. I think I started at PRA maybe, maybe six months before Noel. Um, it happened that I, I just entered that world by accident. I had graduated recently from law school and um, I knew that I didn't want to work for a law firm. I had spent a summer working there and it, it wasn't quite for me. I'd spent an academic year at the Supreme Court and I realized I wasn't into really writing legal briefs and, and writing, you know, helping write the decisions. So I was sort of at a loss of what I wanted to do. And then this job just came up by chance. They had said they wanted JDs to help negotiate clinical trial agreements. And so I figured, you know, why not give it a whirl? If I don't like it, I can keep searching, maybe hang out my own shingle and, and you know, open up my own law practice. But once I got there, I loved it. I, I love everything about clinical trial agreements. I love the budgets. I love that you do the same thing over and over. And yet sometimes, you know, it's like, you're just in the flow and you can do everything without thinking. And then sometimes, 
something arises and it's a new topic and it's it's just interesting and then there's always changes on top of it and you know there's there's HIPAA the Sunshine Act there's things that make it interesting that you can keep learning so I've loved that space and that's that's where I've spent for the last 10 years I did take a little a couple years away to serve as in-house counsel but after a couple years I just realized I still really like the clinical trial agreement budget startup process and so I came back that direction, I worked for another CRO, and about a year and a half ago, the CEO here um, of my company, he reached out and said, do you want to join me and, and start our own company? You know, all we'll do is clinical trial agreements and budgets, we'll focus on that. And, you know, part of me was like, I don't know, but then the other part, you know, as we've discussed, I just, I think representation is so important. And I like the, the thought of having, you know, a company that's run just just a little bit different. I could bring some different perspective. Um, you know, I spend, I don't know if anyone else does this, but I spend time looking at the companies I work for and I look at the, or work with, and I look at the board and I look at the leadership team and I, I don't always love what I see. And so I realized I, it's not right for me to not love what I see and then not be willing to step up. And so I said, you know, why not? Let's, let's go for it. And originally when I joined, um, I was just representing sponsors and CROs, but I, I, you know, I was talking with the CEO and I said, I think sites really could use our help. And so um, it, at first it was a little bit difficult because we had to make the transition of, you know, when you're a small company, you need to wear a lot of hats. But having worked with Noelle, I know how fabulous she is and she was when I worked with her. So I said, okay, I know someone who we can bring in to handle the sponsor CRO side. And if you let me go, like, I'd love to go help sites and, you know, make this grow and we can, you know, create sort of its own separate department to do that. And so that that's what's led me here. And that's what's led me to the, the process of, you know, now negotiating clinical trial agreements and budgets for sites. So Tamara, I got to ask because I'll get, I'll, I won't hear the end of it if I don't ask. We got to, I, I think this will help kind of explain your story of why Clinistar got started. But what was it at the, like, what was it that you didn't like what you saw in those certain cases, just give us like a few examples. You don't have to name names, but just a few examples. Um, that that made me think I wanted a seat at the table. Yeah, yeah, no, no. no. You said that when you looked at the board or um, you know, like a board of directors, you didn't always like what you saw. So, what was it specifically that you didn't like what you saw? I I just don't think it accurately represents who's in this industry, right? It's ah. not a good representation of of when you go outside your door, who do you see? I mean, even clinical trials are a very poor representation of that. And, you know, what makes, sounds a little bit cheesy, but what makes, you know, the human experience so beautiful is we're all different and our bodies are all different. So when you have these trials and you're only testing them on one type of population, you're only advertising to get that one type of population, your medicine doesn't work for the general right. globe. It works for like that one type of population. You know, I. I am. Um, I joke because my husband is literally as stereotypical as you can get. So everything is made for him. Anytime we take a drug, he takes it. He has no side effects. Nothing goes wrong. He responds perfectly well. I and mean, he's even, you know, he's 5'9", 150, the seatbelts, the crash tests, they're all done for him. So this world <laughs> is perfect to him. And yet for me, like I take the medicine and I have, you know, I took, um, I had to take prednisone once. And they're like, oh yeah, you might get more energy and this and that. I spent the whole week on the couch, like passed out. I could barely eat anything. I was so tired and like, it it did help. I mean, I, I wasn't itchy anymore, but I was pretty much just dead on the couch. And I was like, this reaction is so different for me than, you know. So, I mean, those are the things that it, 
I just think you you need progress, and in order to have progress, you need representation. So that's good. I'm that's a sure great segue. That. Great yeah. segue into what we're going to talk about, thank anyway. You. So yes. thank you, Tamara. Thank you. Very true. Yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, so I guess um start then you you do work with sponsor CRs and sites. So you work with all the different industries um, on contracts and budgets. Um so I've I've moved off. So I spend mm -hmm. my time on the sites now, but that that was Noel's big. I mean, I, I begged her. I was like, please, she's like, <laughs> my life is gonna make please, please, please. I don't know anyone who can do this like you can do it. So she spends her time with the sponsors and CROs and yeah, I'm, I am, I've, it's, I mean, it's a new field for us completely. And it's, I don't think there's, you know, there's some companies out there and we know that do it, but like it's new for us in this space and it's been fun to grow and work with my sites and, you know, help that. But yeah, so as a company, we do all of it, but we, we like to keep it divided. So that was something that we realized pretty early on that it was important to start doing. And I do have some questions, um, I guess, more on the site level. What have you ran into now that, you know, you're starting to work with sites that you've realized that sites really need help with as you're working with, you know, I'm assuming a bunch of smaller sites, medium-sized sites, um, specifically for contracts and budgets. Is there any common things that you're running into that you're realizing um, they really need help with? <laughs> so, so many. So, um <laughs> One thing that I actually didn't realize, I knew the I knew the patient compensation, I knew getting it to match was important. It wasn't until I started representing sites that I realized what a big headache it is for sites, right? Like when we say, you know, they're like, we want $100 a visit. If you just go back and tell your budget person that, they may only do it for starting at visit one. They may leave screening out and then your ICF doesn't match or they may not think about unscheduled visits, right? So. I've learned that like that's just a, a silly little thing that probably is just more of an administrative task. But some of the bigger ones are um, I have sponsors that will often tell me like that's not within fair market value and and a site will just take it. They'll be like, oh, OK, you know, and, and I know to ask. I was like, well, actually, fair market value is just an arm's length transaction between two strangers that doesn't induce one party to make a, a you know, an action out of, you know, some sort of coercion. So I was like. How are you how are you saying that's not fair market value like i'd like to you know have a further discussion because this really, is where i wear this is where i wear earplugs <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it is. i love that i love that <laughs> it's just um things like that of you know i know the questions to ask i like to joke that there's a man behind the curtain that a lot of these cro's a wizard of oz right and you have to say the magic words to get them to to do what you want <laughs> And a lot of times sponsors, right, they also are relying on other people to help guide them. And so if you can say, you know, I, this is what we've done. This is why you have some logical progression. That's useful. Also, I don't know how many people out there have seen a budget where they get it and it just has visit costs, a bunch of X's or no X's and just the visit amount. I know how to go into the protocol, build the budget and the schedule of events, actually put pricing there. And a lot of times those per visit budgets, they're way too low. I, I built one out the other day. And I actually just had to call the sponsor and say, I don't, I don't even know how you can get to these visit amounts. Like by the time I've added the PI fee and the SI fee, like we're, we're out of money. Like there's no procedures that can be done. You know what, what happened here? So I think that's also a useful skill that I bring that, you know, because I've built budgets, um, the initial budgets for the actual study on the other side, it, it helps, um, with those things. And I know the budgets are maybe what's important to sites at first, but then there's also things from the language perspective that 
Um, just having done a lot of language review, um, the sponsors will have usually a fallback document that says, okay, if sites ask for this, you can offer these things. So that's something I can tell my sites up front, you know, have you thought about it? If there's a lawsuit, do you really want it happening in Delaware? You know, do you really want, you know, your lawyers that you're going to hire to have to use Delaware law? So these are things where, you know, not as an attorney, because I tell my sites, I'm not your attorney, but I can explain to them things that sponsors that I've seen sponsors agree to. And so we create a checklist. And we'll go through it that way. But it was actually indemnification language that made me first think sites needed help because one of my sites had a, they needed MRIs done and the person performing the MRI was allowed to give some sort of, I guess, tracing drug that wasn't FDA approved, but it was approved for trials. And they're like, we're not putting this in a subject unless we have indemnification coverage because this is not an FDA approved drug. And the whole trial at that site came to a standstill until we could go back in the agreement and put in the indemnification language, sponsor indemnifies contractors working on the study. And I was like, the site could have asked for this in the beginning, right? The sponsor could have offered it in the beginning too. <laughs> we would have saved all this time, right? And this patient having to wait, but that was what made me realize. I was like, you know what? That was an easy change that sponsors often offer, not all well, but you know, why not? Yeah, why not start, you know, letting people know like this is what you can get if, if you want and some sites you know they're happy to just sign as is and there's its own you know risks and benefits for that as well but um these are usually quick things where they don't delay things too long and then you can you know reduce risk a bit and also get some more money so but yeah but those are some of the issues i've seen or some of the ways you know some of the things I that i've encountered as, as i've been helping sites I have a question now that you're mentioning that you guys work for the CROs, for the uh, sponsors, and also for the sites. What happened in the case, for example, that you created the the uh, budget for the sponsor, for the CRO, and then you also negotiating that for the site? That That is where Noel came in. So... Um that when we were small and I was like, okay, I can't be on both sides. So I had to transition off from the sponsors and the CROs. And now I represent sites fully. That's where I live. Um, and then Noelle doesn't cross into my space either. She can, Noelle, I don't know if you want to add on at all or I mean, that's part of Yeah, I was just going to, to reiterate that we have to remain completely separate. Um, kind of like, like I said, earplugs earlier, but no. Um, yeah, we, we just have to, to work completely separate of each other. Um, and, you know, it's great now and we, we, you know, no one really works in offices anymore, so we don't have that issue either. Um, so everything is, is separate, almost, almost as if we were two different companies. Yeah. I, I have a, oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Monica, uh, did you want to ask anything else? Oh, okay. No. I did have a question and I'm trying to figure out the best way to word this. So I work at a site located in a large Hispanic community. So there's a lot of things I need when recruiting, um, you know, Hispanic patients in my community that other sites probably don't need. So when, you know, we're negotiating a contract budget, there's a lot of things I like to request to ensure that we'll be successful in recruitment, whether it's a larger advertising um, fee or pre-screening or what resources are, is the sponsor going to provide that's going to assist us with recruitment. Have you seen that in contracts and budgets or how, what's your experience working with sites like mine to get us those additional things that we need in these contracts and budgets. 
it's mainly an explanation, but my, my goal, <laughs> what I would, I don't know if any sponsor would read it, but my goal is to have a little white paper that says, right, FDA has issued guidance, because they have, about increasing diversity. I, I don't want to be preachy to them, but I want to say, like, this is important, and these are things that, right, they even talk about, you know, right away, making sure you have your documents in another language, right? It just is useful. Um, just ways to broaden, and you know, inclusion, but yeah, to show, like, we need to recruit differently, right? The level of trust is different, right? You need to really work on getting your community, you know, your community to also endorse it, right? Down to the doctor at the community practice, right? And if they if they're if they don't trust the sponsor, they're not willing, like you're not gonna get anyone in the study. And so yeah, I think it's just explaining to them, right? I, you know, just a little thing of this is why it's important, this is why it benefits you, right? It'll benefit you long long term later, but this is also, you know, it just shows so that's how it goes. Sometimes I feel bad because some of my sites, you know, our actual strategy is fine. We'll accept what you say at first sponsored for advertising. And then when the numbers aren't working with the traditional methods, we go back and say, listen, like we can tell you from other studies, you know, if we do X, Y, and Z, it'll also help. And like, let's put some money there and we, we can show you. But the ideal thing is to convince them from the start. The other thing is if, if need be, right, there are more traditional ways to to sort of say, okay, what are our fees at the beginning and do we need to include them in a startup, right? A generic startup is very um, vanilla to the sponsor. They can understand that. So it's like, are we getting your money there? Or even with the chart, you know, the chart review and pre-screening, like, is, is that the way to do it? Um, you know, so there's there's other ways to get funding that sort of overlap and what might be needed. But the, the first method is just explaining, like, this is what we do. We've seen why it works. This is how it works, right? And then just, gently reminding them you have a commitment to diversity and it really will benefit everyone in the end so that would Great be my advice. recommendation there thank you for the advice sure. <laughs> and i don't know if uh, ashley monica did you have any questions um specific questions well no not so far but i did want to just mention that this has been such i mean we just started and it's already such useful information i really hope that our members, you know, take the time not just to watch this, but circulate it because so far, I mean, I think uh, just the information y'all have shared is is extremely useful to sites on a whole and also for sponsors to be hearing this and CROs because um, again, you know, we have that gap issue and mm -hmm. the, the communication in the middle. And and I think that y'all have already mentioned some really good points as to what needs to be covered and to be considered so that both parties can work cohesively, right? So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Yeah, where, where, where are you all from? Can we? Can we? I would love to know. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, I, I am located in California, in okay. a, um, and, and in Southern California. <laughs> yeah, and um, my office is in Imperial County, California. Um, we're about like two hours away from San Diego, Riverside about 45 minutes from Yuma, Arizona, but actually um, I live in San Diego, so I do commute to my office a few days a week. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm not too far from Judy, Yuma, Yuma, Arizona. Okay. And Austin, Texas. Oh, Austin. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm like the odd apple out. <laughs> <laughs> Dan used to be in California. He just recently went to Yuma. I'm five minutes away yeah. at all times. <laughs> 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 yeah, so I wanted to, 
<clears throat> I wanted to Go kind ahead. of bring something up because I think I've been working in clinical research for 17 years, um, 13 years as a site owner, um, and then prior to that, more like a coordinator. So prior to that, I didn't really have experience in contracts and budgets until I became a site owner 13 years ago. And I pretty much got thrown into doing it because I, I went from being a coordinator, manager and training to running a site. So I kind of had to figure it out and learn. And there was really not much out there, you know, that can teach you how to negotiate contracts and budgets. So it's something I've learned over the years. But I think out of all the things that I do, negotiating and working on contracts and budgets probably is a, one of the most difficult things I do still to this day that it needs to be done. It's not my most favorite thing to do, <laughs> but it needs to be done. And I just, um, I want to get it done right for each study. I want to make sure, you know, our costs are reimbursed, that we're covering everything that we need to cover. And that's, there's always a challenge, even with all that experience that I have in working on various protocols and things like that. Um, so I think what you guys offer is great, um, especially with the backgrounds that you have and that you worked on the sponsor side of it and you can take it and bring it to the site perspective and negotiate on their behalf because that's still something that like I'm not 100%, you know, on top of and I don't know if I ever will be, you know, because I don't do it 24 seven, I do that plus everything else. Um, so I just I'm sure there's a lot of people in my position, a lot of site owners, a lot of other people at sites that, you know, could always use this assistance. And it's really hard to find there's not too many people that do it or too many companies that do it or that do it right, actually, because I, I mean, over the past 13 years, I have worked with various people. And it's never been um, the past several people I've worked with, it hasn't been the right fit, I guess I can say. Um, and so yeah, I think um, definitely a service that's needed but doesn't exist too much out there yet. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I actually wanted to say, because more than likely, I'm sure we would probably get emails on this, but just that we make sure we cover this. Um, you know, if we did have any site owners or individuals that are interested in reaching out to, uh, to you all, um, how exactly does that process go? Do you contact your phone or through email? And, and at that point, is it done virtually? Um, you know, how exactly it is, is it that you all go through that process with individuals? Um, however they want. So I'm happy to, you know, give, give Judy my phone number after this and she can give it out. Maybe, maybe listing out your phone number in a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, also just on LinkedIn, right. I, I, that's actually how, um, I haven't found most of my sites. So they found me is, you know, we just, you know, you reach out on LinkedIn, it's kind of like the screener of they're like, okay, you're okay. Or right. They might ask for a zoom. I always make sure to join the Zoom with my camera on so they can see me that I'm not like a robot or some, um, I don't know. I think it just makes people feel better when they meet you and they can see you, whether they wanna join with camera or not is fine. And then, you know, we go from there. I explain the process, I explain what we do. Um, if a site is completely fresh, you know, then there's no need to go through a whole process. It's like, you know, we can just tell them like, this is where we'll start. But most sites have had, had a little bit of experience so we usually tell them, right, what we do is we sign a non-disclosure agreement so that they're protected and they can share with us and we can share with them. And then after that, you know, we ask them for two or three budgets um, and we want the initial budget and their final one. And we'll do what, a gap analysis. So we'll say, this is where you started. This is where you ended up. And these are the things that you may have left on the table. Um, and we'll do the same thing for the contracts. We'll get the first, you know, the first version and the final. I always say most of my sites, don't change anything in the contract. So that's where I'll say, well, here are some ideas of what we might want to change. One thing that a lot of my sites have actually, and this is just a tip for all sites, GCP actually says the sponsor has to notify you when document storage retention is up. 
And it's funny because I'll put that in there, put the <laughs> reference to the GCP um, line and sponsors will be like, no, we don't want to put this in here. And I'm like, you don't want to follow GCP or you just don't want to list it out. And <laughs> yeah. so it's, um, and they're like, you know, they're kind of like, well, and I'm like, this is literally an exact quote, but having that there helps because then, then, you know, they may still forget to notify you, but mm -hmm. at least they'll tell you that. And I also try and put language in there, you know, it's up to the sites, but I say we can tell them like if they don't respond to you after 30 or 60 days when you say you're going to destroy, then you get to destroy or we get to put in something like you get to ship everything back to sponsor at their expense <laughs> because poor sites like storing things indefinitely I hear like that was another thing that I didn't realize until I started working with sites you know I was like oh I didn't realize this was a big headache for you right I'm always mm -hmm. at the CRO sponsor and they're like we want to destroy without you know if you don't respond to us and I'm like no don't don't destroy our stuff <laughs> and I'm like oh I see why it would be really annoying like you get no responses and you're stuck so like those are some of the things that you know we can talk about like that's clearly not a legal matter. It's just a, hey, does this help your site, you know, function better? Um, and then, yeah, so it's, it's things like that, but we'll do that gap analysis and I'll create checklists and say, you know, here's what, this is tailored to your site. And for the sites, the way we do our fee is we don't, if I've actually told one site, they were very, very savvy in their budgets and they had a team of people working on them. And I said, I cannot get you more money. I could get you the same, but you're already doing it. So, you know, I'm not sure that there's value here. And I, I ended up just doing their contract language because, um, you know, that's where they were having big delays. But for the budget, like I will tell the sites, if they're, if they're maxing out, um, there's nothing for me to add on. But if there's, usually that's not the case. And usually there's room to, you know, improve. And if that's the case, I'll say, okay, I think, right, we can improve your site level costs five to $10,000 and we can increase your per patient another five to 10%. And then the way we take our fee is we figure out usually, you know, some sort of baseline of um, we never charge more than 2500 but we're, you know, that's that's sort of what we do is we say, okay, as long as we've gotten you significantly more, like we'll take this this fixed fee or up to this fixed fee. And, that, and then we also tell our sites, right, you don't pay us until the money is in your accounts. So like, we don't expect you to ever go out of pocket. So for most of our sites, you know, I mean, you know, I think the most common phrase is it's a no brainer, right? We're getting them more money than they would have got and they're not paying for the fee. And essentially it's their way to have a negotiator um, working for them. And, you know, they don't have to pay salary. They don't have to pay overhead. Um, something that, you know, Judy mentioned earlier, and I think Noel can attest to this, in our industry, it's not really the company because you can even work with a different CRO and get different people. It's the people. Like that's why Noel was so important to me because it's Noel. Like we could get another executive director, it wouldn't be Noel and I, I couldn't vouch for the work, right? With her, I can 100%, you know, if I have any friends in the pharma industry and they say, you know, we wanna use you, I can 100% be like, we're ready to go and I have full trust, but it is, it's just, you know, it's the people. So I always tell people, you know, when I'm the one doing that, the, the pitch for my sites, I tell them like, this isn't a bait and switch. I pitch to you, I stay with you. Um, and it's the same thing, you know, if someone else was going to be handling the site, then they would come on the, you know, pitch and you'd get to meet them because that's, that's really like you're hiring us, right? It's not, you're hiring a person. And so it's important that you meet them and, you know, you decide what you like. The other thing is when we work with our sites, there's no, we have a contract for like each agreement, but there, it's no, um, there's no commitment, right? If you choose not to use us, you don't use us. Everything is meant to be site friendly because 
we're assuming we're not working, you know, it's not, they're not sophisticated parties like a sponsor. So we want everything to be simple and straightforward and feel, yeah, we want it to feel like you're just hiring, you know, someone you want to work with to work for you. So. <clears throat> Um, so, uh, Tamara, uh, sorry. No, I go was, ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I was looking in your website about Queen Star Catalyst. What is that about? That's that's something that we just use for internal tracking purposes. That's more. So that's I guess one other thing to talk about. The way we also divide up our company is that's for sponsors and CROs for the negotiators to track what they're doing for them. I don't actually use it. I have my own software that I use for my sites. And that's another way we can create that conflict screen. So Noel has access to that one. And then I access my own. It's it's less sophisticated because the sites are, you know, I know what's going on with the sites and it's easy to, you know, track. And there's not hundreds and hundreds and thousands of sites, you know, I have it's less than 50. But yeah, Noel uses Catalyst and that's what we do to track our ongoing transactions with sponsors and CROs. And then I'm on a different system for sites, um, which is just another way to keep it separate, right? Even our folders on our shared drive, right? That we don't have access to different. Um, I don't. I don't even think Noel can access any of my site representation. Right. Like I said, it's it's almost as if we we are at two separate companies, really. Um, and that software is is it, like she said, it is really. Um, it, it's what the negotiators use, and it's more of a focus for. Um, you know, for, for looking at our own internal metrics and, and seeing, you know, where, where improvement can happen and things like that. Yeah. And I had a question and I guess maybe more for Noel. Um, so I know you speak Spanish, but do you ever work with international sponsors or CROs in other countries and negotiate agreements on their behalf? Um, or, I mean, for, I don't know if that's something you do at Clinistar is a more like us based only. I, I am more U.S. based. Uh, I have in the past worked with um, some Latin American countries, but you know, for the most part, most of the contracts are are already translated. Um, so, and you you probably already know this. So, so while I I am proficient in Spanish, I'm more of um, more comfortable with conversational Spanish. My, my mother was from Chile, and so I, I grew up um, from a very young age learning Spanish, but. I think Spanish in our industry and when we start talking medical procedures, you know, that's a, that's a totally different ballgame. Okay. Um, so it's nice to have, nice to have the budgets and uh, nice to have the contract terms translated, but um, yes, to answer your question, I, I have worked internationally um, with, uh, with other countries as well, but primarily my focus is in us and Canada. Got it. Yeah, and you are correct. The terms in clinical research are completely different. A lot of right. times I have to sit with my staff when we're translating stuff. I'm like, this is what I did. And then they'll yeah. we'll compare it. But that word sounds weird. No, that's how it's used or that's how exactly. we use it here. Exactly. <laughs> I, I used to I used to work in a law firm. And so when they when they found out that I spoke Spanish, it was immediately, oh, you know, you can you can definitely help us. And I said, well, you know, hold, hold on, let's pump the brakes. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, when it comes to legal terminology in Spanish, it's, it's very different if you, you know, go, if I go to, to Argentina and, and discuss with anyone on the street of, of how to get somewhere or, or, you know, where the best restaurant is versus, you know, legal language in, in, a, in a contract. It's, it's a, they're two different worlds. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> 
Um, let's see, I think, uh, I think, did I ask, I have a bunch of questions, but I think we actually got to all of them. Um, yeah, so pretty much your main focus, contracts and budgets, um, but there's no other services you offer with Start other than mostly those um, services, correct? That's yes. That's that's really um, that's that is really our main focus. Just because we we have so much experience in that, and um, Tamara and I both like to to kind of offer concierge services. We're, you know, it's I think it's better to know a lot about one specific um, concept and really kind of nail that down, um, mm -hmm. and to be able to provide the best services in one area versus kind of a little bit of, of everything. Um, just because I. We, you know, we think we can we can really be more efficient that way, especially with contracts and budgets, since they can are known to be kind of a, a tough obstacle in startup activities. Um, as you were saying, it's really something that a lot of people don't want to do, and so you know, to find a couple people that really enjoy this and to really love what we do, and we've been doing it for so long. Um, yeah, I think that that's kind of the our best focus. Um, we like to stick to that. <laughs> I, I have another question. I, I, I understood when Tamara was mentioning that, uh, for example, if somebody wants to do just like one service, like one, one uh, uh, budget, how about somebody wants to keep on doing it like on an ongoing basis? So like, for example, do you guys have a, a contract or like a, a service that you provide constantly so you you charge a fee uh, for let's say for the whole year or something like that how does it works that um i'm sure that's something that could be considered for now the the way we do it is just um we have a master and so every time a site gets a new study they just you know they say do you want to you know can you take this and we've always said you know if at this point now that I, like I'm only doing sites, it's, yeah, the answer is yes, you know, of course we can take it. And then, um, but though I've had, actually, I take that back. I had someone send me an NIH study and it was no, there's no negotiations. It was take the budget <laughs> and take the contract. And so yeah. I told her, I said, this is, I'm not gonna take a fee from you for something that I'm not doing anything on. Um, you, you can't change any of this. And even though the startup was high enough for me to take out a fee, I, that's just not who I am. So I sent it back <laughs> to her and I said, just keep this and just tell them, you know, I said, if you want to do this study, just tell them yes. If you don't want to do this study, then tell them no. But there is no changing it with, you know, the government has a certain way they set it up. But aside from that, we, you know, we take it. And I have, you know, I had one client and she said like, you know, this is un another unfortunate reality. Um, different indications get different amounts. And so for some reason, I've been finding women health, women's health studies are not being paid quite the same from what I'm seeing as some other studies. And so the startup is lower and there's no fee for, for my company there. But as long as I'm getting enough studies from a site, right, if they're used to me negotiating their agreements, it's, it's okay for us as a business model. We know we're not going to get 100% payment always. So I, I am like, there are situations, you know, where they'll come to me and say, like, I feel really bad. Like, I know you're not going to get enough to get your fee. Um, we do want to do this study. What do you want to do? And, you know, for, for our clients, right, I, I think if someone came to me and it was the first study, it's it's hard to say, okay, like, let's do it. Um, and we, we don't even know. Sometimes sponsors, for any indication, won't give you enough money to cover the fee. Um, but, you know, we, we still do it. So once you're our client, you're our client. 
And I guess to add to Monica's question, uh, what about contract and budget amendments? Do you also assist sites with that? I know sometimes there are not too much changes that are made, so it's easy to, to agree to those, but sometimes there are significant changes made on the contracts and budgets. Is that something that also sites work with you on? So this is where I'll get in trouble. <laughs> um, I, for my sites, if they're complicated, I help them. There's really, it's very hard to get paid for those oh, because okay. there's not enough, there's not enough money. So um, if they need my help, I'm going to help. I, I have trouble. I have boundaries because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I get it. It's, it's just like, this is my company. This is my baby. This is their company. That's their, their, you know, their baby. So, cause I'm mainly working with site owners. Right, it's not like at a CRO where I'm negotiating with someone who, right, when they're on PTO, they're not checking their email because, like, they don't, you know, it's a big, they're just a small little cog in the wheel. Um, so, what I'll tell them if it's a simple one, like, I'll quickly look at it and say, like, I don't, I don't see any issues. But if it's been a while since there's been an amendment, um, then you know there might be some things we have to look at, and I'll ask them, do you have an amendment fee in there, right? If I negotiated the initial budget, then there should be, you know, an amendment fee. And I'll say, do you want to split this, right? Half for regulatory, half for the contracts. And it's probably nowhere near enough to cover my time, but at <laughs> least to cover some of it. Um, but yeah, that that's, that's just a harder one to figure out of how do you, um, how, I guess if there was a monthly, you know, it was a neat concept, like a monthly service or a yearly fee, there'd probably be a way to build in the amendments there. Because there's, as you all know, there's some sponsors who they do an amendment like every two months. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, um, but I will say when there are amendments and they're happening maybe once a year, things to think of is, you know, sometimes they'll tell you like, you can't change anything, but what we're changing, that's not necessarily true. If it's been a year and, infl and inflation has happened, right? you have to think about do some of these other things increase i've often thought how do i in the beginning of the budget negotiations figure out a way to put inflation costs in the budget and it's really hard so when the study is going to last for you know three years it is something you have to think about with your team of like this is what it costs today is not what it costs in three years um and those are things to consider about in amendments so i guess the short answer is technically no but I'm I'm always there as a sounding board for my sites and we we could potentially maybe later on figure out how to how to find the balance of you know getting what the sites need or maybe the more complicated ones um figuring out what to do there but yeah so it's probably not the cleanest answer, <laughs> no that's but, okay that yeah, makes sense yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense and you know I actually wanted to ask something I know um, was it Noel that mentioned about working on investigator initiated agreements mm -hmm. or Tamara I'm not sure do you work on so if a site I'm sure this is going to come up because there's a lot of investigators that do investigator initiated studies aside from the industry research do you also work on those agreements with sites or like help create those agreements, I guess, because usually those are ones they're going to propose to a sponsor, right, for a study that they want to do. I I have not. Um, it sounds like an, an interesting area, like when they're going to be like a key key opinion leader, those types of agreements. Or... Um, well, I know, for example, there was only one study my PI was interested in doing many years ago. Um, I don't remember what medication it was on specific patient population or community that he felt like he had a lot of information he can collect on. Um, and he wanted to propose it to the sponsor. So um, he had me create a budget of what maybe our estimated costs would be um, similar to, you know, 
know what we do in the industry. And then I think he came up with a short protocol and stuff when he submitted it to the sponsor. But honestly, I didn't, I've never done that. So I just kind of worked off of my experience in the, in the industry and use that, but I don't know exactly how those work. Um, and so I know that's something that's always been interest um, of his to go into investigator initiated trials, maybe in the future, um, specifically because of the community we're in and his experiences um, and seeing if we can get, you know, sponsors to maybe come on board with one of those. Yeah, I, I will say you're you're one investigator agreement ahead of me. So what you did <laughs> is exactly what I do, though, right? It's like saying, OK, you know, I mean, yeah, first thing is probably a Google search to see what's out there. I talk to my network of people to see who's done it. But that's actually a little bit I mean, when Noel and I say, you know, we're sort of laser focused. It is. It's been living and breathing like sponsor clinical sponsor, trial and budget agreements. And now for me, it's, you know, living and breathing them, but from the site perspective. So. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that, I mean, you gave us a lot of information, a lot of useful tips and definitely, um, you know, this, this, um, we're going to include your information. Um, if you want to just send me your information, we can include it on the, on the video when we post it of how they can reach out to you. If anybody's interested in finding out more about how, working with you, your services, um, we'll include all that information on the video. That's definitely, and just you know, so you're aware, you know, we're, we're constantly doing like these little side projects. We've already had something where we did, um, you know, a clinical research professional development. I do know eventually we want to do site development series. So um, I know right now we're having a recording, but I think it would be very beneficial for our sites to have you live at one of our events. So whenever we do come up with one of those uh, side projects, we'll definitely be reaching out to you all so that you can have that one-on-one -on -one with our, our audience. I think it would be super helpful for them. That would be great. We'd love that. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. And I don't know if there's any questions you have for us before we uh, we stop the recording. Um, no. So, yeah, I, yep, I'm good. I don't know if Noelle has anything. No, I don't. I already asked mine. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for your time. Yes. We really appreciate it. It's been very helpful information. And I'm, I have no doubt that this video is going to get circulated really well. Yes. We can always tell in advance. And so I'm, actually excited about this one. So yes, because I think a lot of the questions I ask are very common questions that other people ask. <laughs> I, I can believe it. Well, perfect. Yeah. well, thank you. You guys have an amazing day. And again, we'll be in touch. Uh, uh, Latinos and clinical researchers, we will be having their information available for you. Please uh, circulate this video for any other site owners or clinical research professionals that are looking to be site owners so that they're aware. Um, but other than that, thank you so much. Thank you again, you guys, and uh, we hope to be in touch. Yeah, thanks thank so you. much. Bye, everyone. Bye. Have a good Bye. day. You too.